Last week, we talked about one question, and that question was, why? Why do we exist? What are we called to do? What are we here for as a church, as a people? And we discussed our, our purpose in living according to the holy calling that God has given us. And I wanted to take that further, but in a little bit of a different direction today. This past week, um, those of us that go to the nursing home have come to know this little old lady named Miss Mazelle. Miss Mazelle was just the cutest old lady that you can imagine in a wheelchair. And she was there every time we came to the nursing home. What was cool about Miss Mazelle was she had to be probably one of the most encouraging people there. One of the most encouraging people, I think, that I've ever met. And she, you know, you're not supposed to say this, but she was probably our favorite, okay? Because Miss Mazelle, you'd sit with Miss Mazelle, and I'd be sitting with her, and she would just kind of be like something struck her, and she'd just look over towards Diane, and, she, and, and she'd be like, gosh, your wife, is she's just beautiful. She's just beautiful. You make sure that you take good care of her. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma you know. And she's just, you know, and then we, you know, Daryl or I would be singing, you know, next to her and holding a hymn book. And she'd be like, oh, you just sound so good. You just have the greatest voice. Best voice. Best voice I've ever heard. Me and Daryl. That's right. To the point that, you know, I kind of got jealous a couple of times thinking, well, man, I thought she said I had the best voice. Talking about Miss Mazelle. And I remember she, would, she said the same thing to Dennis, and Dennis, Dennis was telling us a cool story yesterday that he was doing uh, singing in this part for Willy Wonka, and he was kind of nervous about it, and the play was probably about a month or so away, maybe about a few weeks, and, and she was like, well, you sound good to me. I think you've just got this part nailed down. And she'd be like, oh, you just look so handsome, and your son, you know, and, and she just was always very, very encouraging and very loving. And so we found out last week that, that she was not doing well, that she was in the hospital, and that hospice had been called in. And we remembered that there was this one particular hymn that she wanted to be sung at her funeral. It was called The Little Brown Church in the Vale. And so we... we went over to the hospital and she was not responsive but she was just laying there and we sang her song her favorite song and and her leg just kind of kind of kicked to the time of of the song but she ended up passing away uh, a few days ago but as I think about Miss Mazelle this morning, and the reason that I, I bring her up is that if you look at her life, and I don't know everything there is to know about Miss Mazelle, but my experience with her was pretty incredible. You think about what do you say about people at the end of their life? What would you want to have said about you? When you think about the end in mind, when you think about, you know, and no one likes to think about this, I'm sure, but if you think about that day where you do indeed pass away and you're laying there in a casket, and people have to come up and say something about you. With the end in mind, what would you want them to say? And that's really kind of a good practice to be thinking about, where do I want my life to end up? Where do I want my life to be? When it's all said and done, what will people 
say about me at the end of everything. And if you think about what you want to be said, if you think about where you would like to be, it's a really helpful practice in thinking, well, that means that right now my life needs to look like this. This needs to change in my life. This course has to be altered. The things that I think are important, that I thought were important, really don't get me there. We were talking about that aspect, actually, this past week with the guys in our, our Bible study, our Bible and Brew, thinking about where would we really want to be? What's the most important thing to us? And if we consider that, then what is our life looking like right now? Is the way that we're living, are the things that we're doing, the priorities that we have, are they focused and taking us to that destination. We have to be thinking that way as a church as well when it comes to our purpose statement that I shared with you last week about reaching two groups of people, those that need to be reconnected to church that already know Jesus but are not going to church, and then those that are just broken and don't know Jesus and typically wouldn't be welcomed in any other church. We need to be focused, and what does that mean for us? How do we reach out? But consider the end in mind. There's a passage of Scripture I want to share with you today that comes from 2 Timothy. And Paul is talking to Timothy, and he was the mentor for Timothy. He knew Timothy inside and out, and, and it was this moment where he talks to Timothy and basically kind of says the same thing in a different way, considering the end in mind, knowing your calling. Let me remind you to do something. We're going to talk about fire today. It shows up in Scripture a lot, and he tells Timothy to fan into flame this. Let's read it. It says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Through the laying on of my hands, fan it into flame. He says to Timothy, Don't forget something here. Don't forget that you have been called. There are different times in our life where we get distracted, we get bogged down with different things, and we lose track of the fact that we have been called by God and that that calling is at the top. All these other parts of our life are good and, and they have their, their aspects and their great points, but above all of that, we have a calling. Sometimes we, we lose track of that and Sometimes we've messed up things in our life and we forget that fact that we have a calling, not just by anybody else. It wasn't someone, else, someone else's brilliant idea. It was God's. And he has that calling for all of us. It says to Timothy, fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. The thing about a fire is sometimes it needs some attention, doesn't it? It doesn't always just stay a raging fire. There are moments where when it's left unattended that it just burns down. You know, one of the things that comes to my mind, and I have to share this example because, hey, um, occasionally I like to smoke a cigar, okay? Do you know how you put a cigar out? You don't take the cigar and go in there because it makes a very obnoxious smell. The way a cigar goes out, you literally just set it down. 
and you leave it unattended. If you don't do anything with it, it just goes out. If the fresh wind is not pulling on that flame, it's not going to stay lit. It's not going to stay ablaze. It's not going to stay afire. And he says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And verse 7, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Remember that too, the calling that he's given us, he's given us the strength and the power and the ability to do it. We have those moments where we think, God can't use me. And he reminds Timothy, this is what it's really like. He gives us the power, the love, and the self-discipline to do it. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. That's an incredible thought. See, Jesus knew a long time ago we were going to mess it up, and he already had a plan for grace. It's amazing to comprehend. So this fanning into flame, I want to take you back in time a little bit in Scripture. And we don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament, but we are today. I want to take you back to the very beginning when God is talking about the nation of Israel. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, we're going to look at that today. And, and Jesus is speaking about, or God is speaking about Israel here. And he says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are words God says to Moses that you are to speak to the Israelites. Tell them that you are a very special people, a called out people, an actual group, a nation of priests. This goes all the way back to Exodus. We see it repeated when it talks about the church in the New Testament. You are a kingdom of priests. You are a special people that God has called out with a holy calling. To accomplish what? I will read that in a moment. You know, God could have done things a lot differently, couldn't he? He could have had a different plan, another way to redeem the world, but he chose to use a particular group of people. He chose to use the Israelites, he's chosen to use the church, and he's given you guys a calling. Are we, are we following through with the calling, or has it become second place, third place, where is it? But he has put it in our hands. And so as we continue in Exodus 19, there's this amazing moment where the Israelite people meet with God. 
He's told Moses to say these particular words to him. Hey, you guys have got an amazing calling ahead, but then I want to I meet with the people. We're going to have this time where we're going to come together. And I want you to really picture this moment where they meet with God. I want you to actually, I know this is different for us, just close your eyes and let me read to you. I want you to picture this. The Israelites are standing at Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb. They're standing in front of what is later to be known as the mountain of God. So close your eyes and picture this. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And it says, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Can you imagine standing in front of that mountain with the smoke and the thunder and the trembling before God as Moses also shares those words with the people and says, look it, this is your calling. You have come to know me and there are others. You are about to be priests. You're about to be representatives on this world. This is your holy calling. You can open your eyes. If, if don't go to, I want you to go to sleep on me. I like the pastor gave me an excuse. Can you imagine that? The closest thing that we can consider when we have that moment that we met with God, the moment of salvation for you, every one of us, and I'd love if we had time for, for all of us to just share their testimony, how it was that God got your attention, the moment that you said, yes, I will follow you, and you just, you embraced the Lord. I remember the time for me, I mean, I said a prayer as a kid, but I just didn't really get it. As a teenager, I remember hearing the words of Luke 9, 23 spoken, where Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I realized it was all about him. And I remember going to the front, just, just bawling my eyes out, just kind of uncontrollably. And, and from that moment, I gave my heart to Jesus. And everything was different from me that point. Not that I didn't ever screw up again. I certainly did. But that was my moment standing in front of the mountain. That was my moment hearing from God. And, and though I didn't see a mountain trembling, my soul was trembling. And there was definitely a, a crazy storm going on inside of, of redemption. And I came back as a teenager to school changed and ready to just charge the world fearless, didn't care at that point what anybody thought. And I'm one of those guys that worries about what people think. Anybody like that? Yeah. 
That was my moment before the mountain. But I want to read to you another passage in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses is speaking to the people. Moses was the pastor, if you will. He was the leader of them at this time. And, and he shares some really cool things with them about their calling in particular. It says, see, I've, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. I love this part. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? There is no other God like the one true God that Israel follows. And basically seeing these people live it out and following God will be such an incredible and amazing example to other nations that they would see and understand that they wanted to follow the God of all creation as well. But you know, they only would be able to see that if that was, as the video we saw before the alarm went off, the true focus. You know, we were talking in our, in our Bible study with the guys we asked ourselves, you know, so what would you say right now at this moment in time is the true focus of your family? If you would say right now, what is your family focused on? What is it? And there's an unlimited amount of things that could be that focus. And, and maybe for you it's, you know, it's, it's your job. Maybe for you it's your, you know, I don't know. Job always seems to be big for me, you know. I got this going on, I got that going on, or maybe the focus is, you know, debt, because we're stressed out about that. We really need to go to that FPU class, and that's stressing us out. Maybe the focus is what's, what's the plan for summer. What, what, the focus goes in and out of different things, doesn't it? But what is the focus of your family? What is the focus of your life? And if the focus is on Christ, if he is number one, everything else flows out from around and people see that naturally because that's your focus. You, have you ever said of someone, well, all that person cares about is, you know what their focus is, don't you? All that person cares about is blank and this because they spend all their time doing blank. That's the focus. Is our focus on Christ? Because it says, what other nation? They, they will see and understand your wisdom. and under, you know, They'll see all these things because they'll see God so clearly. So Moses keeps talking and he says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Don't let your eyes forget 
the things you've seen. Don't let it fade from your heart. And that's where he tells Timothy back to the beginning, right? Fan it into flame. How many of us have moments where we have forgotten what the Lord has done? Don't let your eyes forget. Don't let it fade from your heart. And this is teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God on the holy mountain when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. And then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. That last part sounds very similar to the Great Commission. It says, go and make disciples, and then what? Teach them everything that I've commanded you. If they truly see what the Lord has to say, then they will see the great wisdom in it. They'll see how incredible life truly is when Jesus is a part of it. If he is our focus, right? Now I want to draw attention to this part here. We're almost, we're almost finished. He continues to talk. And he, he begins to talk about idols here. It's pretty interesting. And he says this. He says, you saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. You heard his, all it says was, right, that you heard his voice. You didn't see his form. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or woman or like any animal on earth or any bird that flies in the air or like any creature that moves along the ground, or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. You worshiped God and you heard his voice, but you did not see a form. Don't then go and make God into some other form that you see and touch. Just because you did not see his form, do not replace it with something else, something less than him. Don't make physical things. Don't be making it about the sun and the stars. And then we, we think about that. We think, well, that's just silly for us, right? You know, Justin hasn't casted something out of gold and put it up in a corner and bowed down to it. Have you? <laughs> but idols look different for us today. 
We try to give God a form in other ways. We begin to worship other things, not the moon and the stars or statues, but we try to give form, we try to give our worship to other things that begin to take focus off of God and focus on this. It begins to take priority. It begins to take number one. We try to take that feeling of life and put it into something else and give it form to something else. In so many myriad of ways. You didn't see me, you heard me, but don't mistake me for something else. Don't give my form to something else. Even good things, it says, that God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. There are a lot of great things in our life, but it's just something that God has created. It is not God himself. And we have taken other things in our life that we really love, we think are really cool, and we have elevated them above God. And I really, really, really like coffee. I really, really, really like cigars. I really, really like golf. I really like whatever it is. And, and I can put so much focus on those things that they really do. I really love watching Breaking Bad. And I could binge watch that thing, which I did, shamefully, I'll admit, to the very end. And I'm sure there were moments where it was elevated above God. Where was your devotion time today? I don't have any time. Really? How many hours of Breaking Bad did you watch again? Really, you can't get things done? Well, maybe you should cut back on this idol that you have elevated that has become your focus God has apportioned all those things to the nations under heaven. They're good things, but do not let them take the place of him. It says, but as for you, this is really cool. Verse 20. I don't know if we're there on the screen, but it says, but as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. But God, speaking of you, says he has taken you like iron that's been smelted, right? The iron gets, gets purified in the oven. All the impurities, that's what the smelting process is. And then you take that out and you pound the iron back in those days into something that you were going to use. In fact, many of the Israelites or people of that time took iron out of the fire and pounded it into some kind of idol. But Jesus says to you, I brought you out of the smelting furnace of Egypt. You went through all kinds of trouble and, and trials, and I brought you out of that smelting furnace to be the people of my inheritance as you now are. Do you see the, the subtle inference, too, that you're not supposed to have any idols before me, but I am bringing you out of the furnace. And you are something special to me. We're not an idol to God, but that's, that's kind of the, the, the shadow of what we see here. We are special to him. We are the apple of his eye. He loves us. Let us never put anything in his place when he takes us and elevates us literally from the dirt and sets us 
in a very high place of importance when we are nothing. That's the love that he has for us. In the Bible, we see all kinds of amazing stories about fire. We see Elijah and the prophets of Baal, where, he, where Elijah gets up and says to the people of Israel, choose today whom you're going to serve. If Baal's God, serve him. If God's God, serve him. But we're going to have a showdown here. Whoever is the God that answers by fire, he will be God. Everybody agree? Uh-huh. If you know the story, God answers with fire, <laughs> licks up the entire offering, the water that was dumped on it which was very scarce at that time, and even the rocks, it said. God shows up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into a fiery furnace. Not a hair in their head harmed. They came through it, didn't even smell like smoke, because the Bible teaches that God was there in the furnace with them. And we see in the book of Hebrews this reminder that says this in Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. In other words, true focus. For it says this in verse 29. Say it with me. For our is anybody with me? Everybody awake? It's a little last piece there, a little 29. I'm going to be Vanna White here so you can see it. All right, pretty ugly Vanna White right here. For, say it with me, our God is a consuming fire. There's one point in life where it's okay to be overwhelmed. And that's when you're overwhelmed with God. When you are consumed by his presence. And we, when you are consumed by his presence, you become what it says in Matthew 5. You truly become the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way as you are consumed. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Charles Spurgeon, a very famous pastor, if you've ever heard of him, was getting accolades from from people at one point. I just love you, Pastor. I think you're great and all this. And, and some people asked him, well, what do you do to prepare? And Spurgeon was really well known that in his church that there was an area underneath the church that they called the boiler room. And people would be under that area while he was preaching, just praying incessantly. And basically he answered that, that person by saying simply this, I just set myself on fire and let people watch me burn. Be consumed by the Lord. Be overwhelmed by the Lord. Be the light of the world. We've been talking about this in Holy Calling, and we've been talking about 
as a church how we do this, as individuals how we do this. God's given us all special things. You need to, to grab a hold of those things. Maybe you set that calling down and you're not doing anything with it. God's called all of us. You all have gifts. You all have things that he wants you to do. In that regard, corporately as a church, one of the new things we're trying to do is to, to take the cafe, to take something simple that God has given us and to use it for his glory. On June 24th, which is just a couple Saturdays away, we are going to have the cafe right where it is now, or maybe even in here. We'll, we'll figure that out. I think it's probably going to stay where it's at. And we're going to offer free coffee to everyone coming in for the Y on Saturday for a couple of hours. And, and so the goal behind this is just to simply love our community and to hopefully get into cool conversations about God. Invite people to church. We're not trying to sell anything. Nothing's going to cost anything. We're, we're not going to be salesy, if you will. We're just going to be there. We're going to love on people and let God do with it what he does with it. People, a lot of people don't know we're here, even people that go with the why, they don't really know what real life is, so we want to meet them. We want to introduce ourselves to them. We want to give them free coffee. We want to love on them. And so with that said, some of you, um, for us, for this to be sustainable, we need more people to learn how to make coffee, more people learn how to make espresso and these drinks, and and it's not super hard. Um, and we have people that will train you. My mom being one of them right back there, right? And, yeah, everyone turn around and say, hey, mom. She's not your mom. She's mine. What are you talking about? Okay. So anyway, but on, on Sundays, if you would get here, if you want to be one of those people, if you would get here a little earlier, um, typically they kind of start rolling around in there at 10 o'clock. Um, that would be a good place to start if you want to learn how to do that. Um, we probably, our goal is to have four people every time when we do it, two people on the machines, a couple of people who are kind of writing names on cups or putting that stuff down, and then just having some, just re, just connecting with people in the community. It's really that simple, okay? Um, and just be a shining light. Why don't you come on a Saturday and set yourself on fire, okay? In the biblical sense of what we're talking about. So right now we're going to do it once a month if we have more volunteers. If we get rolling with this thing, we'll be able to do it more than once because we don't want to burn people out. Pun fully intended there. Gosh, you guys, come on. Stand with me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the amazing grace and love you always show us. Lord, we pray that you would truly be the number one focus of our lives, of our family, of our children, of this church. Lord, we pray that you would, Lord, as Spurgeon said, that you just kind of light us on fire. Lord, that we'd be the light of the world that just brings glory to you because you are an all-consuming God. You want everything. Lord, let us truly be the light of the world. Use us in this place. Use us in this community. Use us this week as we, we go out to our jobs and the places we are during the week. Help us to truly shine brightly for your kingdom. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.